to A Path to Redemption, the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord. You know, and we're going to continue our study today in talking about being crucified with Christ and being buried in his baptism and ultimately resurrected into the newness of who he is. Just a couple of housekeeping items before we get started. Just a reminder that all of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you need a copy of a New King James Bible, just feel free to shoot me an email at pathsredemptionohio at gmail.com. I'm more than happy to get one into your hands. And then also, if you need any help or you want some additional information or you know you want to talk over some things that are going on in the podcast or you just need prayer, drop a note to pathsredemptionohio at gmail.com. I am here to help, but I don't want you taking my word for any of this. I want you to study to show yourself approved unto God. Make sure that you're diving into scripture yourself and really finding out what God has for you in it. Okay. And always consider everything with prayer and alongside of scripture. Amen. So if we're going to go ahead and get started, we're going to be talking about, again, being buried in baptism and resurrected in the newness of life. So our main scripture is going to come from Romans chapter 6, and it's going to be verses 1 through 11. And the Bible says here, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So a lot to unravel again in this scripture, and we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, but we understand that we need to be crucified with Christ, right? But then what happened when Christ came off that cross? Joseph of Arimathea took him and placed him in his own tomb, which was outside the city, and he was buried, and he stayed there for three days until on the third day he was resurrected into the newness of life, into the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit, and into the fullness of the Godhead that we know him as today, into that glorified Christ. So similarly, we are to be buried with Jesus Christ, but the symbol of our burial is in baptism. So we're buried in baptism because it's a symbol of us going down underneath the water, being buried in the water or in the word of God, which is in Christ Jesus as a symbol of his burial and being coming up from the freshness of the water and the resurrection and the newness of life. So when John the Baptist was out there before Jesus Christ even came on the scene and was out of the River Jordan and he was, he was baptizing people, he would say, repent and be baptized. He didn't even know that 
that he was baptizing people into the death of Jesus Christ to be resurrected into the newness of life. It was a symbol. It was something new as a forerunner and a precursor to what Christ was going to ultimately do on the cross. So you see, that's what what we're called to. We're called to have our old man, our flesh, all the things that were crucified taken outside the city or outside of where we are and buried in the baptism of water in Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? Because if you remember back in the Old Testament, the high priest would take the pieces that were not wanted and he would bury them outside the camp. The same thing with us. We are to bury our old man Man, bury the things that, that God did not want or the things that, that, that he could not clean up and the things that had to be taken out of us need to be buried and put to death the same way that Jesus Christ was put to death and buried. Amen. Paul says this in the book of Galatians chapter 2 verses 15 through 21. He says, who are we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified but if while we seek to be justified by Christ we ourselves are also found sinners is Christ therefore a minister of sin certainly not for if i build again those things which i destroyed i make myself a transgressor for i through the law died to the law that i might live to god i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ lives in me in the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes to the law, then Christ died in vain. So here we see that Paul talks about, I am crucified with Christ. I am now, it's not me that lives, but rather the newness of Christ, the newness of who he is. You know, just to give you an, a, an example from nature here, think about the butterfly. A butterfly starts out as a caterpillar. We've all seen the little green caterpillars, held them in our hand, I'm sure, when we were little kids and saw them crawl up. I've seen them eat leaves. And, and all of those things, right? But and then they're kind of walking around doing their own thing. But then there comes a time for there to be a change in them. And then what happens is they find a place to settle and then they wrap themselves up in their cocoon. And they're in the cocoon until ultimately they are completely transformed into an absolutely gorgeous and beautiful butterfly. That's the very same way that we are, right? We will go through the death of our flesh. We'll go through in the flesh as our caterpillar. Our flesh will die inside that cocoon. We will be buried inside of that cocoon. And then we'll be resurrected in the newness of life as the butterfly. You see, so even even pieces of nature go through this as a as an example of what God is trying to do in us. If we if we're not going to be in be crucified into the likeness of his death and buried in his baptism, then we can never be resurrected into the newness of who he is and into that true resurrection power. You have to have all three. Okay? Now, let's talk a little bit differently. There was one depth death for all of us. As we are crucified with Christ, we partake in his death. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
says this, starting at verse 12, For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So understanding what Paul's saying here, he's basically saying, look, going back to to verse 14 and 15, he says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves. Okay, we're talking about the crucifixion of the flesh in that. But to, but for him who died for them and rose again, and being resurrected into the newness of life. So when the flesh dies and is buried, or your desires or your wants, or whatever it is that God's working on in that area, when it dies and it's buried and is put to death and is buried in a tomb, right? Then what ends up happening is that a new creature is created and a new creature is resurrected into the newness. And that new creature lives for what God has and for what he wants. So understanding all that, he goes on in verse 16, he says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. He's basically saying, look, you come to Christ in your own flesh. You come to Christ and come to the knowledge of Christ, or Christ begins to work on an area of your life, understanding that it's in the flesh. But once you are, once it's crucified and buried and resurrected, then at that point, you don't know Christ according to the flesh anymore, but rather to the spirit. Because it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now all things are of God. Amen. Now, the other thing I need to tell you here is that once you have gone through this process and truly gone through this process, it is not possible for you to fall away through temptation anymore. I go back to my alcohol, right? I've gone through this process. I talked to you about how I was crucified with Christ around this. I talked to you how I was how I was buried around this and and how there was it was just me and Christ. And then I talked to you about how I've been resurrected, how I can I can even be around alcohol and it doesn't bother me. There's no temptation there. The only thing that I could ever do around alcohol is not temptation that would ever give me. I would have to willfully rebuild the things that have passed away. And that's what Paul said going back to Galatians chapter 2 and starting at verse 15. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if while we seek to be justified, we ourselves also were found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. 
For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Now, like I just said, the only way for me to go back to alcohol is not through temptation because I've overcome that temptation. There's nothing there for me. I'm not tempted by it at all anymore. But the only way for me to go back to that is if I willingly decide to go back and build up what God has delivered me from and then willfully go and drink a beer. That is what would derail everything. That's what would derail all the things that I have because I am willfully saying that the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the newness of Christ is is not good enough that I need to rebuild the things which have passed away. Here's how the book of Hebrews puts it in Hebrews chapter 6, starting at verse 1. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Now, again, the only way for us to go back is to willfully make that decision. But here's what Hebrews says, is that it is impossible for those who have overcome, who have gone through the death and the burial and the resurrection of the new man into a new creature in a specific aspect of your life, it is impossible for you who were enlightened and have received that gift to go back. Basically meaning this, I am not tempted by alcohol ever again, and I know where I've come from. I know where God has brought me from through it. I know what I went through with it. And guess what? I'm never going to willfully decide that I want to pick that back up. Amen? Because, and that's what Paul is saying here, but we have to understand that when we have been crucified with Christ in parts of our flesh and buried in baptism and resurrected into the newness of it, that it is imperative that we not even allow anything to begin to rebuild that area of our life, right? So I've told you, sometimes I have to hang around people that drink and, and a lot of alcohol with the job that I have. I understand that, but that doesn't mean that I'm willfully going out every Friday and Saturday and trying to go to the bar with friends and not drink, okay? So we have to understand what that looks like and understand our willful choices and our willful decisions. Now look, I'll be the first one to tell you that everyone has to make their own choices and you have to live with the consequences, whether positive or negative, around those choices. So this isn't against alcohol. This isn't against all that other stuff because honestly, based upon the scripture, you know, it's very possible for someone to go and have a beer, not be drunk and be completely fine. And they're not going to lose their salvation because of it. But for me, it is bad. And for me, it would mean that I'm willfully going back to rebuild what has already been dead and buried. 
Now, so we've kind of talked about this a lot. Now, God can go through this process in different aspects of your life. I told you a little bit about my anger aspects. Again, they went through the cross of Jesus Christ. I went through a, a, a very tough time in where I where it was buried and it was desolate in those areas. And then I was resurrected into the newness of who you see now, a very even keel person that sits before you just because of everything that God did. And this was the process that it was. That flesh had to be crucified. Now, let me give you an example here again for talking from Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about the picture of Jesus Christ. If you remember when Christ was here on this earth, he was just kind of an ordinary man, right? He was he was ordinary, he had a he had a beard, you know, he was average. Isaiah said that he was of comely appearance, which basically means, you know, he wasn't anything to write home about in terms of that, in terms of the way he looked. He came from very modest means as a carpenter and as a carpenter's son. He was not rich. He came from the smallest town in Bethlehem. So we understand all of that of what of what Jesus was while he was on this earth, right? But let's talk and look at who he is now. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12, this is what Jesus looks like now. And, and John says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Look at that picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the glorified Christ that sits at the right hand of the Father. Compare that to who he was before he died, and you see ultimately the biggest picture of what it means to be dead and buried, to be crucified with Christ and buried in baptism and resurrected into the glorification and the newness of the power of the resurrection resurrection of Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Look at that dichotomy. Look at the difference. And the best thing about it is that when we are partakers of his death and we are partakers of that buried in baptism and we can be partakers of the newness of his life in the fullness of his resurrection. Amen. That can be us in every aspect of our lives. Again, all we have to do is lay ourselves on that altar, offer ourselves back up to Jesus Christ. Again, just the same way that it said in in 2 Corinthians, how our life is no longer for ourselves, right? In verse 15, it says, and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. If we give ourselves willingly over to Jesus Christ and allow him to do whatever that work is to us, to crucify our flesh onto that cross, to be buried in the baptism that is with him and so that we can be resurrected in the newness and become the new creature and to become another picture right there with the glorified Christ. How amazing is that? And all it takes is for us to say, Lord, 
I'm yours. Do with me what you please. That's all it takes. That's all you have to do is fall back into the hands of your God and trust him and believe that no matter what happens, it's not going to be sunshine and roses all the time, but no matter what happens, he has what's in your best interest at his heart. Amen. That's all it takes. That is all it takes is for us to willfully give ourselves over to him. Amen. And he will literally take over for the rest. Remember, he that has begun a good work in you is able to perform it. He is able to see it through, through the resurrection in him. Amen. And as we go through this process, we get closer and closer and closer with God. And we see more and more power and more and more fullness of who he is in our own lives. So we go through this this process repeatedly, through the death, the burial, the resurrection, the death, the burial, the resurrection, you know, the death. We literally feel ourselves being crucified on that cross, right? And then we're buried because everything around us is desolate. You know, I told you I had no friends. I had no one, right? I was being buried at that point around my alcohol and then resurrected into the newness where it doesn't touch me. It doesn't bother me. He will illuminate that process. He will address it. Then he will separate us from it in the burial aspect. And then we will be resurrected in a new form as a new creature. Amen. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Now, look, it's painful. It's painful, right? Because no no one wants to die. No one wants their flesh to die. No one wants to give it up. But here's the other thing I'd tell you is that don't just give him the parts that are easy. Give him the parts that hurt. Give him the parts that hurt. Give him the things that you want to hold to the dearest. Why? Because if you willfully lay those down, it's not going to hurt as bad when he has to take them. And for me, there were quite a few things I'm not going to get into because they're between me and God. But I am going to tell you this right now is that the things that I desperately, desperately wanted, I had to let go and let God have his way in every single one of those things. And I sit here and I wait and I wait until the fullness of what he wants. And I wait and I wait and I wait until I can see the full resurrection power of who he is in those aspects. It doesn't mean that just because I gave it up, you know, five years ago that it's time for it to be fulfilled. It's a process. Now, I told you my alcohol was over the, the, the time frame of about nine to 12 months. My anger was over two years is what it took for that whole process to go through. The thing I'm talking about right now is still ongoing. And I'm still waiting for the fullness of who God is and what he wants in certain areas. But that's okay because ultimately his will is going to be done. And if we allow his will to be done in our life, we can be right there with the resurrection power and to where we can live our lives no longer for our own selves, but for him who died and rose again for us. And that way, when we ultimately go and see him, he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Like, I'll be honest with you, this process isn't about getting to heaven. This process is about getting closer to God so that God can use you. God can do what he wants with us so that God can manifest his power and his work in us. The problem is he cannot do that if we are carnal. He cannot do that if we are fleshly. He cannot do that if we're more concerned about the things that we want versus the things that he wants. And the only way to do that is to see your flesh crucified, buried, and resurrected. Amen. 
Look, I hope you've enjoyed this series. I hope you've gotten something out of it because it it truly is a foundational teaching for us because if we can understand why we go through some of the more difficult parts of our lives and understand that there's a purpose there and that purpose is the death of our flesh, we can get through them more quickly. We can understand what the lesson that God is trying to teach us and ultimately we can move on and get to the next piece of our lives. Amen. So it's important that we understand what this process looks like. It's important that we understand what it means to be crucified with Christ, buried in his baptism, and resurrected into the newness of life. Amen. Look, the song of the week this week comes from the band Skillet. It is from their 2016 album Unleashed, and the song is called Back from the Dead. Which is very fitting, considering what we what we're talking about here. Love Skillet, been on a huge Skillet kick here lately. But this song I absolutely love because it talks about the zombies come back at night. They'll never catch me. They'll never catch me. That's a picture of your old man trying to raise back up and trying to take take its form and take back over. But understand that they can never catch you, and that we are back from the dead because we are resurrected into the fullness of Him. Check it out again. Back from the dead on the 2016 album. Album, um, Unleashed by Skillet. Great song. Absolutely love it. Um, it's, a, it's a nice, fun rock tune. Um, so I hope you enjoy. But look, I, I hope you're understanding this because ultimately the being crucified with Christ and buried in his baptism is so important because we have to go through that in order to be resurrected into the newness of life. And if we're truly going to grow into the measure and the stature of who he is and be as Christ was on this planet, particularly as we continue to head to the end, then this is becomes even more important. Because again, God cannot use us if we're carnal. God cannot use us if we're more concerned about ourselves, more concerned about the things that we want, more concerned about the things that, that are on our minds than the things that he wants, the things, his desires and his needs and his wants. Because ultimately, again, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that he died for all and those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Look, I hope you understand this. I hope you're getting it. Um, if you have any questions, drop me an email at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. But again, until we talk again, just remember the simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless.